Chapter Three of the Wheat Princess by Jean Webster. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. May I come in for tea, cousin Marcia? Gerald inquired with a note of anxiety in his voice as they climbed the stone staircase of the Palazzo Rosicorelli. They had been spending the afternoon in the Borghese gardens, and the boy's very damp sailor suit bore witness to the fact that he had been indulging in the forbidden pleasure of catching goldfish in the fountain. Indeed, you may not, she returned emphatically. You may go with Marietta and have some dry clothes put on before your mother sees you. Gerald, realizing the wisdom of this course, allowed himself to be quietly spirited off the back way, in spite of the fact that he heard the alluring sound of Sybert's voice in the direction of the salon. Marcia went on in without waiting to take off her hat, and she met the Melvilles in the anteroom on the point of leaving. Good afternoon. Why do you go so early? she asked. Oh, we are coming back later. We are just going home to dress. Your uncle is giving a dinner tonight. A very formal affair. Is that so? she laughed. I have not been invited. You will be. Don't feel hurt. It's a general invitation issued to all comers. Marcia found no one within but her aunt and uncle and Mr. Sybert. What is this I hear about your giving a dinner tonight, Aunt Catherine? she asked as she settled herself in a wicker chair and stretched out her hand for a cup of tea you must ask your uncle i have nothing to do with it mrs copley disclaimed he invited the guests and he must provide the menu what is it uncle howard merely a little farewell dinner i thought we ought to put on a bright face our last night you know one would think you were going to be led to execution at dawn we will hope it's nothing worse than exile said sybert who are your guests and when were they invited my guests are the people who dropped in late to tea i did not think of it early enough to make the invitation very general the list i believe includes the melvilles signora Androit, and the contessa torianieri sidney carthrop the sculptor and a certain young frenchman a most alluring youth who had called with him but whose name for the moment escapes me adolphe benoit said sybert le prix de rome asked marcia oh i know him i met him a few weeks ago at tea he's very entertaining i suppose she added considering the list that he will fall to my share unless you prefer mr sybert an embarrassing predicament miss marcia sybert laughed if it will facilitate matters we can draw lots not at all said marcia graciously i know the contessa would rather have you and as she is the guest i will let her choose i hope your dinner will be a success she added to her uncle but i can't help feeling that you show a touching faith in the cook thank you my dear i am of an optimistic turn of mind and francois has never failed me yet how did the borghese gallery go very well i met mr dessart there and i met the king outside ah i hope his majesty was enjoying good health he seemed to be i didn't stop to speak to him but there was a boy in a group of seminarists near us who called out viva il papa just as he passed and what happened sybert inquired did the king's guard behead him on the spot or did they only send him to the galleys for life the king's guard fortunately had eyes only for the king and the old priest gathered his flock together and scuttled off down one of the side paths as frightened as a hen who sees a hawk and with good reason but wait till the lads grow up and they'll do something besides shout and run there was an undertone in sybert's voice different from his usual listless drawl marcia glanced up at him quickly and dessart's insinuations flashed through her mind 
do you mean you would rather have leo the thirteenth king instead of humbert she asked heavens no no one wants the temporal power back not even the catholic themselves i should think that when the italians have gone through so much to get their king they might be satisfied with him they ought to have more patience and not expect the country to be rich in a minute everything can't be done all at once and as for blaming the government because the african war didn't turn out well why no one could foresee the result it was a mistake instead of a crime sybert was watching her lazily with an amused smile about his lips will you pardon me miss marcia if i ask if those are your own conclusions or the opinions of our young friend the american artist he does not plot against the king at any rate she retorted please miss marcia he begged don't think so badly of me as that really i'm not an anarchist i don't want to blow his majesty up go home and dress sybert copley murmured taking him by the arm i have to go and interview the cook and i don't dare leave you and my niece together there's no telling what would happen she's a suspicious young woman sybert complained can't you teach her to take your friends on trust for the matter of that she doesn't even take her uncle on trust and no wonder said marcia i forgot to tell you my other adventure just as the carriage turned into the corso we got jammed in close to the curb and had to stop i looked up and saw a man standing on the sidewalk glaring at me over the top of a newspaper simply glaring and suddenly he jumped to the side of the carriage and thrust the paper in my hands he said something in italian but too fast for me to catch and before i could move marietta had snatched it up and dashed it back in his face the paper was named the cry of the people i just caught one word in it and that was she paused dramatically copley now uncle howard she finished do you think you ought to be trusted when it gets to the point that the people in the street she stopped suddenly she had caught a quick glance between her uncle and sybert what is it she asked do you know what it means it means damned impudence said her uncle i'll have that editor arrested if he doesn't keep still and the two men stood eyeing each other a minute in silence then copley gave a short laugh oh well he said i don't believe the grido del popolo can destroy my character nobody reads it he looked at his watch you'd better go and dress marcia my party begins promptly at eight you needn't use any such clumsy method as that of getting rid of me she laughed i'm not going to stay where i'm not wanted all i have to say she called back from the doorway is that you'd better stop badgering those poor old beggars or you'll be getting a warning to leave rome as well as naples marcia rang for granton have you time to fix my hair now she inquired as the maid appeared or does mrs copley need you mrs copley hasn't begun to dress yet she is watching master gerald eat his supper oh very well then there is time enough i'll get through before she is ready for you do my hair sort of frenchy she commanded as she sat down before the mirror what dress do you think i'd better wear she continued presently that white one i wore last week or the new green one that came from paris yesterday i should think the white one miss marcia and save the new one for some party it would be more sensible marcia agreed but she added with a laugh i think i'll wear the new one grandon got it out with an unsmiling face which was meant to convey the fact that she could not countenance this american prodigality she had lived ten years with an elderly english duchess and had thought that she knew the ways of the aristocracy 
the gown was a filmy green mousseline touched with rose velvet and yellow lace marcia put it on and surveyed herself critically what do you think granton she asked it's very becoming miss marcia granton returned primly yes marcia sighed and very tight she caught up her fan and turned toward the door don't be hurt because i didn't take your advice she called back over her shoulder i never take anybody's granton she found her uncle alone in the salon pacing the floor in a restless fashion with two frowning lines between his brows he paused in his walk as she appeared and his frown gave place readily enough to a smile you look very well to-night he remarked approvingly you er have a new gown haven't you oh yes uncle howard she laughed it's all the gown send your compliments to my dressmaker forty-five avenue de l'opera i thought i would wear it in honour of mr sybert it's so seldom we have him with us mr copley received this statement with something like a grunt there uncle howard i didn't mean to hurt your feelings mr sybert is the nicest man that ever lived and what i particularly like about him is the fact that he's so genial and expansive and thoughtful for others always trying to put people at their ease mr copley refused to smile i am sorry marcia that you don't like sybert he said quietly it's because you don't understand him i dare say and i suppose he doesn't like me for the same reason he is a splendid fellow i've never known a better one and a man can judge marcia laughed uncle howard do you know what you remind me of an italian father who is arranging a marriage for his daughter and having chosen the man is recommending him for her approval oh no i don't go to the length of asking you to fall in love with him though you might do worse but i should be pleased if you would treat him er respectfully as i would my father more respectfully than you do your uncle at any rate he may not be exactly what you'd call a ladies man a ladies man uncle howard you make me furious when you talk like that as if i only liked men with dimples in their chins who dance well and get ices for you i'm sorry if i don't treat mr sybert seriously enough but really i don't think he treats me seriously either you think i don't know anything just because i can't tell the difference between the left and the right i've only just come to rome and i don't see how you can expect me to know about italian politics you both of you laugh whenever i ask the simplest question but you ask such exceedingly simple questions dear how can i help it when you give me such absurd answers i'm sorry we'll try to do better in the future i suppose we've both of us been a little worried this spring and you probe us on a tender point but who ever heard of a man's being really worried over politics that is unless he's running for something they should be regarded as an amusement to while away your leisure you and mr sybert are so funny uncle howard you take your amusement so seriously politics is a broad word marcia he returned with a slight frown and when it stands for oppression and injustice and starving peasants it has to be taken seriously is it really so bad uncle howard good heavens marcia it's awful she was startled at his tone and glanced up at him quickly he was staring at the light with a hard look in his eyes and his mouth drawn into a straight line i'm sorry uncle howard i didn't know what can i do what can any of us do he asked bitterly we can give one day and it's eaten up before night and we can keep on giving but what does it amount to 
the whole thing is rotten from the bottom can't the people get work no and when they can their earnings are eaten up in taxes the people in the southern provinces are literally starving i tell you and it's worse this year than usual thanks to men like your father and me what do you mean for a moment he felt almost impelled to tell her the truth then as he glanced down at her he stopped himself quickly she looked so delicate so patrician so aloof from everything that was sordid and miserable she could not help and it was better that she should not know what do you mean she repeated what has papa been doing oh nothing very criminal he returned only at a time like this one feels as if one's money were a reproach italy's in a bad way just now the wheat crop failed last year and that makes it inconvenient for people who live on macaroni do you mean the people really haven't anything to eat not much how terrible uncle howard won't the government do anything the government is doing what it can there was a riot in florence last month and they lowered the grain tax king humbert gave nine thousand lira to feed the people of pisa a couple of weeks ago you can do the same for some other city if you want to play at being a princess i thought you believed in finding them work instead of giving them money oh as a matter of principle certainly but you can't have em dying on your doorstep you know and to think we're having a dinner to-night when we're not the slightest bit hungry i'm afraid our dinner won't go far toward feeding the hungry in italy how does my dress look my dear asked mrs copley appearing in the doorway i have been so bothered over it she didn't fix the lace at all as i told her these italian dressmakers are not to be depended upon i really should have run up to paris for a few weeks this spring only you were so unwilling howard marcia looked at her aunt a moment with wide-open eyes heavens she thought do i usually talk this way no wonder mr sybert doesn't like me and then she laughed i think it looks lovely aunt catherine and i am sure it is very becoming the arrival of guests precluded any further conversation on the subject of italian dressmakers the contessa torrenieri was small and slender and olive-coloured with a cloud of black hair and dramatic eyes she had a pair of nervous little hands which were never still and a magnetic manner which brought the men to her side and created a tendency among the women to say spiteful things marcia was no exception to the rest of her sex and her comments on the contessa's doings were frequently not prompted by a spirit of charitableness to-night the contessa evidently had something on her mind she barely finished her salutations before transferring her attention to marcia come signorina copley and sit beside me on the sofa we harmonize so well this with a glance from her rose-coloured gown to marcia's rose trimmings i missed you from tea this afternoon she added i trust you had a pleasant walk a pleasant walk marcia questioned off her guard i passed you as i was driving in the borghese but you did not see me you were too occupied she shook her head with a smile it will not do in italy my dear an italian girl would never walk alone with a young man fortunately i am not an italian girl you are too strict contessa sybert who was sitting near put in with a laugh if miss copley chooses there is no reason why she should not walk in the gardens with a young man a girl of the lower classes perhaps but not of signorina copley's class with her dowry she will be marrying an italian nobleman one of these days marcia flushed with annoyance i have not the slightest intention of marrying an italian nobleman she returned 
one must marry someone said her companion mr melville relieved the tension by inquiring and who was the hero of this episode miss marcia we have not heard his name marcia laughed good-humouredly your friend mr dessart the melvilles exchanged glances i met him in the gallery and as the carriage hadn't come and gerald was playing in the fountain and marietta was flirting with a gendarme dear me aunt catherine i didn't mean to say that we strolled about until the carriage came i'm sure i had no intention of shocking the italian nobility it was quite unpremeditated if the italian nobility never stands a worse shock than that it is happier than most nobilities said her uncle and the simultaneous announcement of m benoit and dinner created a diversion it was a small party and every one felt the absence of that preliminary chill which a long list of guests invited two weeks beforehand is likely to produce they talked back and forth across the table and laughed and joked in the unpremeditated way that an impromptu affair calls forth marcia glanced at her uncle once or twice in half perplexity he seemed so entirely the careless man of the world as he turned a laughing face to answer one of mrs melville's sallies that she could scarcely believe he was the same man who had spoken so seriously to her a few minutes before she glanced across at sybert he was smiling at some remark of the contessa's to which he retorted in italian i don't see how any sensible man can be interested in the contessa was her inward comment as she transferred her attention to the young frenchman at her side whenever the conversation showed a tendency to linger on politics mrs copley adroitly redirected it as she knew from experience that the subject was too combustible by far for a dinner-party italy italy these men talk nothing but italy she complained to the young frenchman on her right does it not make you homesick for the boulevards i suffered the nostalgie once he confessed but rome is a good cure marcia shook her head in mock despair and you too monsieur benoit patriotism is certainly dying out not while you live said her uncle oh i know i'm abnormally patriotic she admitted but you're also sluggish in that respect that you force it upon one there are other useful virtues besides patriotism sybert suggested wait until you have spent a spring in the sabine hills miss copley melville put in and you will be as bad as the rest of us ah mademoiselle benoit added fervently springtime in the sabine hills would be compensation sufficient to most of us for not seeing paradise i believe with my uncle it's a kind of roman fever she cried i never expected to hear a frenchman renounce his native land it is not that i renounce france the young man remonstrated i love france as much as ever but i open my arms to italy as well to love another land and peoples besides your own makes you not littler but as you say wider broader we are we are ah mademoiselle he broke off if you would let me talk in french i could say what i mean but how can one be eloquent in this halting tongue of yours coraggio benoit you are doing bravely sybert laughed we are the young man went on with a sudden inspiration what you call in english citizens of the world you mademoiselle are american la signora contessa is italian mr carthrope is english i am french but we are all citizens of the same world and in whatever land we find ourselves there we recognize one another for brothers and are always at home for it is still the world the young man's eloquence was received with an appreciative laugh and how about paradise some one suggested 
ah my friends it is there that we will be strangers benoit returned tragically citizens of the world sybert turned the stem of his wine-glass meditatively as he repeated the phrase it seems to me in spite of miss marcia that one can't do much better than that if you're a patriotic citizen of the world i should think you'd done your duty by mankind and might reasonably expect to reap a reward in benoit's paradise he laughed and raised his glass here's to the world our fatherland may we all be loyal citizens i think said mrs melville since this is a farewell dinner and we are pledging toasts we should drink to villa vivalanti and a happy spring in the sabine hills copley bowed his thanks if you will all visit the villa we will pledge it in the good wine of vivalanti and here's to the vivalanti ghost said the young frenchman may it live long and prosper italy's the place for such ghosts to prosper copley returned here's to the poor people of italy may they have enough to eat said marcia sybert glanced up in sudden surprise but she did not look at him she was smiling across at her uncle End of chapter three